Darwin's theory of evolution by natural selection has always fascinated me. But over the years, I have found a surprising variety of thinkers who cannot conceal their discomfort with his great idea, ranging from nagging skepticism to outright hostility. I have found not just lay people and religious thinkers, but secular philosophers, psychologists, physicists, and even biologists who would prefer, it seems, that Darwin were wrong. This audiobook is about why Darwin's idea is so powerful and why it promises, not threatens, to put our most cherished visions of life on a new foundation. A few words about method. This audiobook is largely about science but is not itself a work of science. Science is not done by quoting authorities, however eloquent and eminent, and then evaluating their arguments. Scientists do, however, quite properly persist in holding forth, in popular and not-so-popular books and essays, putting forward their interpretations of the work in the lab and the field, and trying to influence their fellow scientists. When I quote them, rhetoric and all, I am doing what they are doing, engaging in persuasion. There is no such thing as a sound argument from authority. But authorities can be persuasive, sometimes rightly and sometimes wrongly. I try to sort this all out, and I myself do not understand all the science that is relevant to the theories I discuss, but then neither do the scientists, with perhaps a few polymath exceptions. Interdisciplinary work has its risks. I have gone into the details of the various scientific issues far enough, I hope, to let the uninformed listener see just what the issues are, and why I put the interpretation on them that I do, and I have provided plenty of references. Names with dates refer to full references given in the bibliography, available in the PDF provided with this audiobook. Instead of providing a glossary of the technical terms used, I define them briefly when I first use them, and then often clarify their meaning in later discussion. So there is a very extensive index which will let you survey all occurrences of any term or idea in the audiobook. Footnotes are for digressions that some but not all readers will appreciate or require. One thing I have tried to do in this audiobook is to make it possible for you to read the scientific literature I cite by providing a unified vision of the field along with suggestions about the importance or non-importance of the controversies that rage. Some of the disputes I boldly adjudicate, and others I leave wide open but place in a framework so that you can see what the issues are, and whether it matters, to you, how they come out. I hope you will read this literature, for it is packed with wonderful ideas. Some of the books I cite are among the most difficult books I have ever read. I think of the books by Stuart Kaufman and Roger Penrose, for instance, but they are pedagogical tours de force of highly advanced materials, and they can and should be read by anyone who wants to have an informed opinion about the important issues they raise. Others are less demanding, clear, informative, well worth some serious effort, and still others are not just easy to read but a great delight, superb examples of art in the service of science. Since you are listening to this audiobook, 
You have probably already read several of them, so my grouping them together here will be recommendation enough. The books by Graham Cairn Smith, Bill Calvin, Richard Dawkins, Jared Diamond, Manfred Eigen, Steve Gould, John Maynard Smith, Steve Pinker, Mark Ridley, and Matt Ridley. No area of science has been better served by its writers than evolutionary theory. Highly technical, philosophical arguments of the sort many philosophers favor are absent here. That is because I have a prior problem to deal with. I have learned that arguments, no matter how watertight, often fall on deaf ears. I am myself the author of arguments that I consider rigorous and unanswerable, but that are often not so much rebutted or even dismissed as simply ignored—